Welcome to Therapy for Nerds, the show where licensed mental health professionals use their favorite topics like TV, books, games, and movies to provide psychoeducation on mental health. Please note, this is not meant to be a replacement for mental health treatment or services. Hi guys, and welcome to Therapy for Nerds. I am Casty Russell, along with... Abby, and how are you all today? Good, I hope, and hopefully not getting rained on too hard. Oh yeah, LA's been a, a river. Truthfully. Yeah, especially because we have zero drainage, like, <laughs> and then all of our drainage gets, like, clogged. It's a mess. LA is a mess in the rain, and no, no one in LA knows how to handle themselves in the rain. <laughs> but yeah, here we are again. Here we are again, and this week, Abby, have you ever played a game to get away from your real, real world problems? Um, if you're talking about the whole um, <laughs> two years of a pandemic, yes. Um, <laughs> besides that, yes, of course. Like, I think that, um, and not just virtual reality, right? Like other forms of video games as well. Mm -hmm. And um, other types of games, even board games are great ways to kind of mm -hmm. in indulge yourself in a different world or a different reality, or just to kind of mm -hmm. focus on something that isn't as scary and overwhelming as real life. Uh huh. Yep. Video games fill a need, and that is exactly what happened to both characters Retzko and Haida in the show Agretzko, uh, a show that I love and have watched, rewatched multiple times, except for the latest season because that just hasn't been out enough for me to rewatch too many times quite yet. But I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, escapism through like forms of media, including uh, mostly like specifically video games, I think is um, something that's very natural for people to do. I think it like it's intentional. A lot of video games are made for you to be able to be sucked into that world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of video games have their own planets, have their own languages, have their own um, mm -hmm. creatures and people that, or not people, but um, persons. <laughs> I don't know what to call them, but like beings, <laughs> beings um attached mm -hmm. to them so I think that that's part of it like I think that that's part mm -hmm. of what video games are made to do now is it mm -hmm. healthy or not that's a different question <laughs> yeah I feel like Agretzko kind of asked the the question like what is that line because I think video games can be a coping skill um and I feel like they can be a, an adaptive coping skill that can easily turn into a maladaptive coping skill depending on the situation depending on the time right like if Haida was playing video games on the weekend when he didn't have any dates or anything planned with Retzko that's fine like unwinding from work that's a great way to relax from time to time like that's perfectly normal playing when you're constantly playing it to the point of also buying all of this extra stuff and <laughs> spending money you don't have uh, to the point where you then become homeless because you don't have a job and you don't have any kind of income and you're just spending it on the video game that's a problem right yeah yeah, I just want to back up a little bit because I don't know if like everyone in the audience knows about adaptive versus maladaptive. So maybe it's good to kind of like clarify what that is too. 
Yeah, I caught myself because I was about to say healthy versus unhealthy or like positive versus negative. I've used those terms before too, but like I I don't know if they're like quite quite encapsulates uh what I want to say about coping skills because I I don't feel like any everything is positive versus negative or healthy versus unhealthy. I feel like it's the way that you use it. And so adaptive to me means way like a coping skill that you're able to use, utilize well uh, versus maladaptive, which is a coping skill that ends up hurting you in the end in some way. Right. No, I completely agree. And I think, I think that adaptive and maladaptive is probably closer to the language that really describes some of these coping mechanisms because in a lot of ways it's kind of like a you know it's like a wave it's not really necessarily one or the other it just depends on when you're using it and utilizing it mm-hmm. i think i get this this question from clients a lot in regards to like coping mechanisms when we talk about um intentional um diversion or intentional like distraction they're like mm-hmm. well aren't i just like not engaging or like not mm-hmm acknowledging that there's a problem you know which is mm-hmm. somewhat true um but also mm-hmm. part of it is also acknowledging how much of it you can handle at a time and being intentional mm-hmm. about the things that you do to be able to soothe yourself and um keep you level to the point where you mm-hmm. can start thinking or approaching whatever mm-hmm. the thing is in a more healthy way so I think that maybe and I don't know you know you know the series a lot better than I do um I think like with the, the um the character Haida I don't know necessarily if maybe it started that way. I wonder if like when he started getting into video games and, um, you know, he has some friends online or had made some good connections there that it was very adaptive. It was something um, to stimulate his brain when he wasn't working and kind of also make connections because he wasn't going outside. Um, So I can see that there are probably a lot of good features about at the beginning for this character anyways of video games or playing these games online. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the the word that my clients often use when we're talking about coping skills is like distractions. Aren't I just distracting myself? Um, and yeah, it's definitely, you, we don't see Haida play video games really before this point in the series. Um, he's not, his like personal life isn't really the focus of the series until that point though. Because uh, most of it is just like him watching Rhett's go from afar and like really wanting to be in a relationship and then finally they're in at the beginning of season five they're a couple uh but Haida is going through this difficult time where he's he thought he was doing really well at his job but then it ended up taking a turn for the worst he ended up having to resign and then he didn't immediately go back to finding a job um and there was a lot of like there's some depression elements in there I feel where it the thought after having that horrible experience just not having the energy to go back right away and if he had more time to like come around then maybe that would have worked out well um I feel like his in later on in this the season he starts uh, turning his life around well Retzko helps him by letting him live with her and then they he decides to start working 
to get involved as, as like a programmer because uh, he's shown some skills with computers and programming. And so that's something that he can definitely do. And I feel like that's a great way for his character to go because yeah, reach your dreams. You don't have to be an accountant. Yeah. No, I think that's so important too. And I think like a big draw of uh, Agrogetsuko and like the whole series is this idea of like, she's somebody who's in that culture, like the work culture, or like the sometimes uh, toxic work culture or like corporate life. Um, and it's very relatable to a lot of people who um, feel very similarly trapped in their their work. And um, it's interesting because the name of the the episode, the first episode, season five, is called "A Prison Called Freedom," um, and I presume, right, like the freedom that they're talking about is that Haida is no longer employed; he's free from this mm-hmm. toxic workplace, um, stuck in that mundane nine to five every every time thing. But it's still a prison because you are really never free from this feeling that you're feeling inside if you're not able to acknowledge whatever that thing is. So it does, like in that episode, we we also see. Um, some of these the family patterns or like the family um, dysfunction that's going on and uh, the relationships there as well as the relation the romantic relationships that he has with uh so I think that maybe a lot of what he thought that like get, uh, after getting fired maybe he felt like empowered like okay I'm gonna be a different person now or I'm gonna have like a different life and it didn't end up being that way because maybe the problem wasn't com- like fully the job. There were other things that he wasn't addressing and he was just burying his, his head into the work and avoiding mm-hmm. all these other things. So when we talk about like, um, <laughs> we were just talking about, right? Like um, mm-hmm. trying to distract yourself in good things or like maladaptive versus adaptive, maybe it wasn't very adaptive for him to bury himself in his work. I wonder if part of it too was just like, so much of his character up to that point was wanting to be in a relationship with Retzko and like that was a big reason to just go into work was to see his crush so like then you're in a relationship and it's like oh I don't have to go into work to see her like I can see her at dinner or something like you don't that motivation is also gone mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I can't speak too much about it, but I do know that, like, in other, in all parts of life, like, sometimes we go into something with an expectation, and then it turns out not to be what we thought it was going to be. Um, and then your motivation for whatever thing starts to drop or starts to, mm-hmm. you know, widen into other areas of your life because this is ends up being what you wanted it to be. Yeah, like, the, the best part about any job is when you first get the acceptance. It's <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, a job is still a job, I guess, even if it's something you enjoy. And um, yeah, so going back to this whole idea of like um, the escapism or like being able to play video games, a lot of times video games are pretty consistent. I don't want to say it's like you know what to expect because, of course, there are a lot of twists and turns when it comes to games. Um, but when you set the scene up for yourself, you know, you boot it up, you have the same screen. You start where your save file is, you know exactly what to expect. The anticipation is there. Um, you know that your character is going to look exactly the same way that you left it. Nothing changes dramatically. Sometimes that can be very comforting and soothing for somebody who's just not used to having a lot of control over the things that are happening around them. 
Yeah, and like they even point this out in the show because in the next episode, uh, Finico, the I forget what the dear character's name is, but she has like a breakdown of the two ways the unemployed boyfriend can go: either he becomes a gym rat and like looks like it starts looking amazing because he's all buff, or or he could go the video game route and all the accomplishments like make him feel like a hero but and so he makes the hero face but all he did was click a button um like she comments yeah uh so and like i i get that because there's the video game is fulfilling a psychological need the need is to feel accomplished and video games notoriously have these goals that you can accomplish like you have a small goal you beat it and then like the goals start getting harder and harder and harder and it'll just a little bit farther and then a lot of games will make use of like the sunk cost fallacy where you feel like oh well I already put in this amount of work so I need to continue otherwise that work is lost yeah absolutely mm. I think we could do a whole episode about like sunk cost fallacy because that comes up a lot for people. I think, um, mm-hmm. but it's interesting interesting that you mentioned that because at the beginning of this episode, um, during the credit scenes, like you see him in like armor and stuff, so it kind mm-hmm. of is like hinting to the idea of what's gonna happen in regards to like video games or him, um, in- engaging mm-hmm. in something that makes him feel heroic. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's exactly what it is too. Is you know sometimes, especially, um, when it comes to work or um. You have to you know, talk about traditional like sex roles of sexes, right? Like mm-hmm. a person can feel very emasculated when they are not uh, when they're fired or like let go of a job or like mm-hmm. told they're they're not good enough. Um, and for him, maybe I'm just making an assumption. Maybe that the the video game was very empowering because he got to level up and be this very strong character, um, which didn't match what was happening in real life. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because like in real life, he wasn't doing like his, the thing that he wanted to do ended up not working out. And so in the video game, he gets to feel like this big, powerful hero. Obviously, to get to the point where he has that nice armor, he's already put a lot into the game. And the more he puts into the game, the more valuable the game is, right? Like, that's why people that have these characters that they've had for a long time don't want to get rid of whatever it is like say someone's been paying for wow for you know however long it's been out now and they have all these rare rare items and weapons and like some they might not feel like canceling that subscription even if they haven't played in two years because like they already have they already put in so much and they don't want to lose that yeah the, the sense of accomplishment I think is so important here and I think that mm-hmm. being able to visualize or see something that you've worked so hard for is important mm-hmm. and sometimes I think when it comes to therapy right or like mental health a lot of times I've noticed with some of my clients that they they have a hard time acknowledging their um, their growth and progress in therapy because they tend not to have something tangible to attach to it um mm-hmm. they may notice like sometimes they don't even notice that they're not no longer anxious about something or they're not thinking these thoughts anymore because there's nothing there 
to hold on to. And I think that for this character it was really important for them to see that. And they had a friend like trying to get them to purchase more weapons and like buy other things. And like, I think that was like kind of very empowering for him to say like, okay, yeah, I'm going to add more value to myself. Like his character was himself, right? Like so adding more value to myself and proving to all the people, not only in the game, but maybe in his real life that, hey, you know, I'm not just a nothing. Like I am something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, th- and that's where I feel like people get the idea of video game addiction from, uh, because I feel like I can understand why people would think that that, that feeling is addicting. Um, and I feel like it gets very close to probably what gambling addiction is. I'm not an expert on gambling addiction. Uh, I just know I, I'm hesitant towards a video game as a addiction, as a diagnosis. Uh, anytime you get into behavioral addictions as a diagnosis, there's a lot of controversy surrounding them. Uh, yeah, it just because it, it it's in a it's a coping skill that's fulfilling a need, but if you're able to switch it out with another coping skill, then that video game addiction isn't there anymore. Like once you find the soul root, the once you find the causes and you address the causes of the addiction behavior, then that behavior tends to dissipate. Like if um, the video game playing is out of a sense of out of a need for accomplishments or out of a need of needing to feel fulfilled then once Haida is able to get this new position and feels fulfilled in his new career I wouldn't be surprised if the video game playing dies out or at least goes back to a more minimal style of playing yeah, there is something there that needs to be fulfilled. When we talk about addiction, right, like addiction as a disease, um, oftentimes you'll see people like who are in recovery working on alcoholism or other substances replace the substance or the addiction with a, a different type of addiction, right? Mm-hmm. A more health, a more healthy coping mechanism, something that's not going to harm their bodies, like painting or mm-hmm. um, candy. Candy's a big one. Sour candy uh, for people who are in recovery. So. I heard exercise is a big one. Yeah, exercise as well. Um, So I think that you're right. Like we'll probably, and I haven't watched the rest of the season, but we'll probably see the development of this character kind of going in a way of avoid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after coming to reality and seeing like gang kick, I guess it was a spoiler, <laughs> that um, they were kicked out of their home and um, that his girlfriend wanted to leave him for, for this reason or gave him a ultimatum. I think that really kind of put into perspective for him, like, okay, well, what is really important to me that I perceive myself this way or that the people around me are going to perceive me in the way that I want to be perceived. Um, so I'm really hoping that later in the season, this character gets um, a chance to redeem themselves and pulls away from this now maladaptive um, coping mechanism and starts to engage themselves in things that are more, um, healthy and more uh, in, in the same way fulfilling that the video games were for him in that vein how do you think Retsko would be best suited to support Haida yeah you know that's a good question I I don't know either I don't know either character well enough but I do acknowledge that this character was trying to put a boundary around the relationship 
mm-hmm. said, hey, like, I can only take so much of this. And either you, you know, you're able to work towards supporting our relationship and supporting me by getting rid of this thing, or, you know, then I'm going to leave. Um, and when we talk about addiction, I don't want to get too, too crazy into the addiction, but I know when we talk about addiction, a, a big thing is like, are you uh, enabling the person to do the behaviors? So I think that maybe that that was her way of trying to support him by mm-hmm. by giving him this like ultimatum for him to kind of decide and acknowledge like what was really important in his life. Um, I think another way to support him probably would be to ask, right? Like, well, what? Tell me what the video game did to you, so I can understand. Or what was mm-hmm. it about this that was so so important or so helpful? Um, mm-hmm. and can we find that somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is one of the most powerful interventions I think anyone can do when they're dealing with someone who they feel has problematic gaming uh, is to either talk about the game with them or literally play the game with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think if you play a video game with someone, like you will learn so much about why it is that they're playing it. And like it, it gets you to understand the game so you can like talk to them about it and it gets them to feel like you're attempting to make that connection and that bond can be really powerful. Uh, so especially if like it's a parent that doesn't understand a child's gaming and that is my cat's because <laughs> he's deciding to check in. It can be like that's one of the most powerful things you can do with your kids is just play video games with them, do what they enjoy. Yeah. And I think like in so many ways, the, the Retsuko character could relate because they have their own, right? Like kind of addiction in the other season in regards to video games too, or games. And mm-hmm. um, I know they were there was that scene where like she even defends him and kind of says like, yeah, like, you know, like I get it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that maybe that would be a good intervention. Like if they were in couples counseling or something, a good intervention <laughs> would be to do it together. Um, yeah. and try to identify it and under, understand each other on that level. Um, I think we've I think we mentioned that before for parents. I think that it's really important that you engage in the things that your loved ones mm-hmm. are interested in because it's important to them and you're they're important to you. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's I mean it's something that I've like looked something that I've seen just time and time time again when I'm looking at video game research or just parenting advice in general it's like at at least feign interest in what your child's interested in Uh, and you'd be surprised just how much more like of a given and take you'll have with your relationship with your kids if you just give that little bit more to understand what it is that they're talking about what it is that they're doing what it is that they love exactly. all right guys have you dealt with anyone with video game problematic video gaming uh, is there a game that you use to cope with stuff i know i've used breath of the wild and stardew valley i don't even know how many hours i have logged in stardew valley a lot it is a lot <laughs> and animal crossing oh god yeah. I, I would also be curious to know if anyone um, through understanding somebody that you love or kind of getting involved in their hobby, like what have you enjoyed or like started to pick mm. up as well? Um, because I think that's a great way to learn hobbies. It's like get other hobbies by learning from other people too. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, let us know. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please comment, like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. Remember to be kind to yourselves this week.